The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. On the line now from the G21, we've got their CEO, Julia Baggio. Good morning. Good morning, Mitchell. How are you? Good, thank you. First of all, a real shame that uh, we couldn't have the G21 stakeholder forum because first it was going to be in person, then you had to push it online and then cancel it all together. And I know a lot of work went in behind the uh, scenes and I know that organising speakers and things doesn't just happen. It requires all that logistics. So a real shame that it had to be cancelled because of the lockdown. Yeah, a real shame. And of course, you were waiting in the wings to broadcast live uh, the next day. But uh, we were all caught on that night. The the eve of the forum was the snap lockdown on the 5th of August. Um, so it all happened within a, a number of hours and we just had to unfortunately uh, pull the event. So, yeah, look, a lot of work, um, but it won't go to waste. So, look, our plan now is to reschedule and we'll reschedule it for hopefully the start of 2022. Uh, fingers crossed that we are back to some sort of normality by then. Uh, but it also, in some ways, uh, suits suits the times as well because, of course, we're going into a double election year, federal election, uh, around possibly March, maybe April, maybe May. Uh, and if we have our forum around that time, we can really uh, add some intensity to the issues that we're going to be talking about and hopefully have a very engaged audience. So hopefully you'll be part of that as well, Mitchell, as you always are each and every year. Fingers crossed. And um, in terms of what's happened to us since that time, I mean, we've been into a lockdown, then we've come out of a lockdown as regional Victoria, then come back into a lockdown. So this is lockdown seven for us, but I believe only lockdown six for Melbourne, even though their lockdowns have been longer. So it's been a real roller coaster for us here in regional Victoria. Oh, absolutely. I've lost count of, of the number of lockdowns. You know, some people say 6B, 7A. I don't even know where we are. It just feels like Groundhog Day completely. Uh, and I think a lot of people are feeling it's a bit of a slog this time, um, even though compared with last year, we didn't have the vaccines available. Now we do. So we do have a way out. Uh, you know, there's been a few... Um, you know, stumbles along that path to getting everybody vaccinated. But the G21 region's been doing very well on that front. The statistics uh, last time I checked was that the region was leading Victoria in our vaccination rates. So well done, everybody. Um, top of that table, of course, is the borough of Queenscliff. And so bravo and a big shout out to our community in Queenscliff. Um, that's not surprising in a way because they've got an older population uh, than most parts of Victoria. And we look when we look at the statistical tables, we know that that cohort, the 60s and above, are the most highly vaccinated double dosed cohort on the scale. Uh, the big one that, that we really need to catch up on is the uh, 16 to 39 year olds. And of course, they haven't had access to the vaccine until uh, for the, certainly the, the 16, the, the VCE students this week is when it kicks off for them. And I know they've been lining up in the thousands. And for our region, that's a very big part of the, uh, the mosaic because we have so many school students in G21. So, um, but really, a big shout out to our region that, that it's just so well done that we, we are leading the way on in terms of getting our jabs into our arms. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting to compare with where we were a year ago, where we, in Colac, we had the biggest regional outbreak probably in Australia. Uh, there was no roadmap. There was no, uh, 
no firm government directional guidelines, resources were being scrambled to take care of Melbourne and Colac was really isolated and the community itself uh, pulled itself through, got together, was very cohesive and, um, you know, that was just an, an, a wonderful, an exceptional example of communities really relying on themselves to pull themselves forward. And I think a year later what we're seeing is that that same spirit in people rolling up to get their vaccinations. So all in all, um, just, just a really good demonstration of of uh, the calibre of uh, the people in our region. Yes, as you say, I think the borough of Quinsk have had a bit of a head start on us because uh, we haven't had access to us in the 16 to 39 year age range. We haven't had access to it as long, but I think we're catching up and a lot of people have described the Ford facility uh, that's been run by Bowen Health as a bit of a model way to run a massive vaccination clinic. So we do seem to be doing some things right down here in terms of our health response. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Ford, Ford's been an outstanding model of uh, delivery of the vaccination and our health services as well. Um, they set up, uh, Bowen Health set up its own platform and shared that around the region for people to be able to book in. Uh, that was over and above anything that was being um, set up by by the state at the time. So we did, did get the jump in terms of organising ourselves. So kudos to our health services and all of our health professionals who work uh, day and night in that service and have just, um, you know, it's been an absolute marathon for them. So what can you say? It's just an extraordinary time. It's a difficult time, but, um, you know, people are digging very deep and, uh, you know, we've, we're seeing the results of that around the region. We are going well. Uh, we've just had the new case numbers drop from the Department of Health 30 seconds ago. 246 cases acquired locally, a total of 1796 active cases and uh, the vaccine uh, on uh, track 32,000 doses as you'd probably expect and 43,000 test results received. So probably uh, nothing there out of the ordinary and pretty much on the trajectory that we thought we'd be on. So uh, no great surprises there from what I can see. No great surprises. It's just a shame that our numbers are, you know, uh, up at that level in terms of infection. But um, compliance, stay home, stay safe, just try and do the right thing. You never know. We might bring it under control, but I know it's not looking fantastic. And of the 246, only 90 cases are linked to known cases and outbreaks and the further remain under investigation. So that's a bit of a disappointing proportion of the 246, I have to say. It is, it is. And that's the critical number is the, the un unlinked cases because we know that's what will drive the exponential growth. Yeah, so a bit disappointing, but, you know, just everyone try and do the right thing. The G21 integrated transport strategy, I think transport is a massive issue for people out there and people are genuinely interested. If you can tell people how their commute or how the way that they get around is going to be made better, whether it's on the railways or whether it's driving around, uh, very, very much uh, generates a lot of interest. So tell us about the G21 integrated transport strategy. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a big one. Um, it's probably the topic that people really most raise. Uh, it's top of mind for everyone because it affects us all and how we get to our work, uh, our study, uh, you know, childcare, everything, wherever you're going, in whichever direction, you need to get there efficiently, safely. Uh, and, you know, people are very focused as well on sustainability now. So they do want to see other options on the table. Um, electric vehicles, e-bikes, uh, pathways that you can actually use those vehicles that, that, you know, vehicles that don't require roads necessarily and, and the current 
you know, standard of pollution that we pump out in, in conventional vehicles. So all of those things are in the mix and uh, it's a really timely piece of work. So um, a, a big thank you to Regional Development Victoria, which has provided a grant to G21 uh, that's going to allow us to undertake this work. So we've only just uh, started the ball rolling. Uh, we're hoping to have the project finished by middle to later next year and a good set of recommendations for the region to come out of that. So what we've identified is probably what everybody in the region already knows is that we have um, road congestion that's just getting worse and worse. We know why that's the case. It's because our population is growing very rapidly. Uh, and so it's not going to get better. It's just going to get worse if we stand still. So essentially we've outgrown our, our transport infrastructure, particularly our road infrastructure. So we really need to keep driving hard on uh, making sure we know where those road connections should go, um, both the intra-regional road connections so we can get round the region and get into Geelong, get out of Geelong, but also get cross-country connection as well, uh, as well as those big linkages out of the region to the rest of Victoria, to the rest of Australia um, and the rail connections as well. Um, so all of those things, very important to explore. Uh, and it's it's everything really from your active trails, so if you're walking, if you're on a bike, if you're on a horse, if you are, um, you have a disability, making sure those everyday, everyday connected trails uh, are available to you to get from town to town or from, if say you're in Torquay, you can get to Geelong easily, perhaps on an e-bike, for example. Uh, it's your roads then, making sure that they connect up in an efficient way, um, making sure you're also controlling those traffic flows so that you're not having those crazy peak hours. So how do you even out the peaks and troughs? Um, it's having a proper public transport system and that kind of is the big black hole and the big question mark for the region because we really don't have an adequate public um, transport system. So that'll be a big part of the work. Uh, and then it's um, it's also looking at ferries. It's looking at, uh, you know, Avalon as well, making sure that connection is strong. It's looking at our freight connections from the port, from the airport, uh, and making sure we can maximise those routes um, so that we remain competitive for our growing industries uh, and that they're cost efficient. So it's got to be cheap to run freight. It's got to be competitive. What are the pieces we need to keep that moving? Because we are going to have more and more freight moving through and around the region. Um, so so they're, they're just some of the things that are on the table uh, but the big thing, you know, at the end of the day is people. How do you connect to your job? How do you get to and from university? How do you get to school and home again? Uh, how do you make sure that we're really maximising people's opportunity to do all of those things? And in a growing region, we've got in some ways um, a bit of a fresh start, maybe a head start on central Melbourne in that we can design this uh, so before our, our big growth corridors get going. So... <clears throat> really important piece of work and uh, we'll have some recommendations um, in time for the state election next year. So, yeah, fingers crossed we pull some interesting things out of that. And Infrastructure Victoria, I see they've put together a plan for the Bowen South West region that looks at infrastructure over the next 30 years and I see that they've made a total of 94 recommendations. 
Yeah, look, it's a huge uh, forward-looking 30-year plan. So Infrastructure Victoria did the first one of these back in 2016. Uh, so this is the refresh document. They're going to refresh it every three to five years. Uh, they did an enormous amount of stakeholder engagement uh, and we had some sessions earlier this year. So, in fact, a lot of the things that we're talking about for our integrated transport strategy, we've, we've seen it flow through into Infrastructure Victoria's report to the government, which is terrific. Um, so, you know, taking that advocacy from a, a number of directions. Um, and so this 30-year strategy looks at the whole of Victoria, yet 94 recommendations, $100 billion worth of projects that they're putting forward that really need to be built to maximise Victoria's livability. Uh, and this time they've done regional chapters, which has been great. So they've got the Bowen region chapter and I encourage everyone to uh, get online, um, tap into that and seek out the Bowen region uh, piece. It's really interesting. I mean, overall, they, Infrastructure Victoria identifies four areas for the state that really are the pinch points, the pain points. So it's an ageing and growing population, which certainly applies to the G21 region. Uh, it's the technical transformation. That's another big one for us because we know our digital divide is huge. We are not you know, on par with the rest of Metro Melbourne and it's a real problem for us. Climate change is the third very big one and the impacts of that. And certainly we are very vulnerable as a region, uh, but also a lot of opportunity in that to drive investment into those new clean energy industries. Uh, and the fourth one they've identified, which is exactly our problem, which is the worsening congestion on our roads. So, so all of that aligns in terms of where they've identified the pain points. Um, and then they've got some really interesting things for us uh, in their transport list. There's the Metro 2. So this is part of the, the consideration of the fast rail uh, project. So Metro 2 would be great for our region because it would take you much more quickly from Geelong to Southern Cross Station. It would go through to Newport, under the bay, over to Fisherman's Bend, which is the next huge precinct for development for Melbourne, and then into Southern Cross from there. Um, and then that connects right up through the northern suburbs of Melbourne. But essentially that would um, turbocharge the fast rail and make it even faster. So that's an interesting one. Uh, I know to date there hasn't been great appetite from the state government to, to go down that path anytime soon. Uh, I think mainly because there's, uh, most of the money is committed to the suburban rail loop. But great to see it on the table through Infrastructure Victoria. It sounds fantastic. I mean, it does sound a little bit off into the distance and going under the bay and all that, but what a difference it would make to the commute times and the distance you'd have to travel by train because at the moment it all goes through uh, North Melbourne and, of course, you have to go out to Tarnit and Wyndham Vale. Uh, what a difference that strategy might make. Oh, it'd be so much more direct and, and much quicker. Yeah, yeah, much, much better. Um, look, they also they pulled out some interesting stuff for the region on climate change, uh, its impact on our economy, especially agriculture, forestry and our tourism industries. Uh, so they've got a bunch of recommendations in there about how uh, state government really needs to concentrate on future-proofing uh, those parts of our, our economy. Uh, also, water is a very big one. Um, so there'll be a very big uh, impact on our water supply. We're seeing it already because of uh, higher temperatures, uh, lower lower water um, 
uh, lower rainfall. And so that's something that we certainly need to factor in when we're building definitely our new um, communities in our growth corridors, but also in some ways retrofitting our existing uh, communities as well to make sure we've got enough supply over the next uh, 30 years. So that's a very big one. Uh, really nice piece too, some good recommendations on tourism and building the region's nature-based tourism, as well as our First Nations cultural tourism. Uh, the last piece, I guess, out of the, the bunch for Infrastructure Victoria was housing. Uh, they've really called out the social housing piece, uh, that we need quite a bit more of that to make sure we can uh, accommodate everybody. We've got, I think, about 8,000 homeless people in the region, so we've got a real need there. The piece that's not in there uh, is affordable housing, and, of course, that's the big burning issue for the G21 region, and so we are very actively pursuing that through G21 uh, with state and federal governments. Very interesting stuff, and we'll see how that all pans out. And I think, last of all, you were interested in when I thought the federal election <laughs> might be. And I've got a feeling that uh, the government will go long. I think some of the critiques about the handling of COVID-19 from the opposition is starting to bite. So I've got a feeling that they'll wait until next year, maybe go out to May, as you suggest, because I think that's about the latest you can have it and still have the Senate sit and all organised in time. But I think the go long strategy will mean that we have a bit of time next year to maybe get used to a sort of COVID normal with um, vaccination rates higher than 80% and we can sort of go back to a bit of normality and forget what this year's been like and have a bit of positivity. But we'll see what happens. But that's my tip. Oh, that's interesting, Mitchell. I mean, the, the other thing that's being talked about is November, uh, getting into the sweet spot when vaccinations are, have, are high, maybe hitting that 80% um, before anything else can sort of start tumbling out of the, uh, the media critiques and getting there in time for Christmas. So that's the other school of thought that I'm, I'm seeing around uh, on uh, social media, certainly. But, yeah, it might be, might be a long game. We'll see what happens. Look, thanks so much for being on the program, and we'll talk to you next month. And we say this every time to all the guests, but hopefully lockdown-free next month. Yeah, thanks, Mitchell. See you later. Thank you, Julia Badger there, the CEO of the G21. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.